1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Praise God. The visitor gave. Thank you, brother. Following the brother, though. Amen. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Everybody say, living holy. Amen. Living holy. You may turn me down a little bit on the mic, brother. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. We're going to talk about living holy. And then we're going to pray for people today to live holy. Everybody say, be holy, for God is holy. Amen. I'm so glad that you got up this morning to come to church to worship the Lord. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. If you're there, can you say, I'm there? It says, we know that we have come to know Him if we obey His what? His commands. Everybody say, commands. The man who says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we are know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must also walk as what? Jesus did. Everybody say, if you love him, you'll obey him. Now let's say it like we're up and excited. Say, if you love him, you'll obey him. See, today's message is called Living Holy. Turn over your announcements right on your notes, subject title, Living Holy. What does it mean to live holy? It means to live as Jesus lived. The word holy means separate, to be set apart. When we say Holy Spirit, we mean the set-apart spirit, no other spirit like it. When we say that there is a holy day, a holiday, that's where that word comes from, that this is a separate day from all of the other days of the year. That's where that word comes from. Holy day is actually holiday, the, a Y turning to I. And what Jesus is asking us to do is to live like Him. A lot of people think Jesus sinned like us. No, 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 no. Jesus was not like us. Some people think that Jesus got upset and cussed. Jesus lusted after women. Jesus was a sinner. No. The Bible says that Jesus never sinned. Now you might say, well, that was because Jesus was the Son of God. He was Superman. He could do what nobody else could do. No, and that is not true either. Jesus came as a man. That means He walked as a man. He actually is called in the Bible the second Adam. So when He was here on this earth as a man, He showed us that a man could live without sin. He is our example. He is not just someone we worship and say, oh, God is so much bigger than me, I could never be like him. No, when Jesus came down, he said, boys, I'm going to show you how to be like me. If you don't believe it, look at your scripture in verse 6. It says, whoever claims to live in him must what? Walk as Jesus did. Think about that. What does it mean to walk as Jesus did? Well, you obey God's commands. Jesus didn't lie. Jesus obeyed His parents. Jesus didn't steal. Jesus didn't lust. Jesus didn't drink to get drunk. Come on, somebody. Jesus lived perfect according to God's Word. Well, right here when I say that we must live as Jesus did, a lot of people start to say, well, I'm not perfect. I can't do it. Well, here's the difference between you and Jesus. Yes, you have already sinned. I've told a lie. How many people have told a lie? Don't lie on yourself now. Come on, be honest. How many have told a lie? How many here have lusted? How many here have blasphemed, taken the Lord's name in vain? How many here have gotten angry without just cause? Come on. Well, you might say, Pastor, I'm not perfect, therefore I can never leave, live as Jesus. No, that is not correct. Go back up to chapter 2, verse 1. 
Look at how it works. Look at the process that you go through. This process is called sanctification. Sanctification means to be made holy. Look at 1 John 2, 1. It says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not what? God does not want us to what? Sin. But if anybody does sin, has anybody sinned? Come on, what do we do? We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for what? Our sins. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. And it says we know that we've come to know Him if we obey His commands. And it goes right back to what we've learned. So what's the point here? Sinners can be forgiven of sin and then begin to live for God. And guess what? Even if you break a command of Jesus Christ, there's actually another command to get you back in order. And that command is to repent of your sins. So there's no excuse why you and I can't live holy. We wake up in the morning and say, God, make me holy. I want to live for you. You desire to follow God's commands. If you stumble and fall, you follow the command of repentance and you ask Him to change you. I guarantee you, you live a life like that, you will change. You see, when we talk to people like that, they're like, oh, well, you know, I do that. I sin, I get forgiven, then I sin, I get forgiven. No, no, no. See, they're playing a game with God. If you truly follow the righteous command of repentance, He will begin to change you. I do not cuss like I used to. I don't lust like I used to. I don't get angry like I used to. Hello, somebody. That doesn't mean I never sin. Yes, I still have to uh, repent after I sin. There's still mistakes that I make. But it's nowhere near like what it was before. Because when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, that means as the one who died for me, I also accepted Him as my Lord, the boss of my life. And some people here, all you want is God to be your Savior. Save me, Jesus. Save me from my sin. Save me from hell. Okay, that's wonderful. He also needs to be your Lord. That means it's, boss, what you want me to do today? Boss, who you want me to marry? Boss, how you want me to raise my family? Boss, how do you want me to spend my money. He needs to be your Lord and Savior. Can you say amen? And that's a holy life. And that's a changed life. And everybody here ought to say, I want to walk as Jesus walked. Look at it again. Chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. Now the one who says he knows Him in verse 4 and does not obey His commands, what is that person? A liar, so that means they sin. They don't think they have to repent, or that repentance doesn't bring true change. Talked to a lady yesterday. Oh, I still sin, but I go to confession. Well, that's not true forgiveness. That's not true repentance. Your repentance is not through saying 20 Hail Marys and doing the, you know, the genuflect. It's not through that. You get forgiveness through brokenness and weeping before Jesus Christ, your only mediator. Are you listening to me? There's no middleman between you and God except Jesus Christ. And so that's an example how people say, well, I've done it this way and I still sin. Well, that's part of the problem. They're not doing it the right way. Other ones here come to our church and they say, well, I still struggle with the same thing over and over and over again. Well, today's message is going to encourage you so that you can get free from the junk of your life. Today, every one of us should walk out if you're saying, I'm free from the control of sin. That sin no longer controls you. That if you should sin, it's out of your character. It's not a part of who you are. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Somebody say, live holy. 
for God is holy. Somebody say, if you know Him, you'll obey His commands. Somebody say, if you love Him, you'll walk as He walked. Talk as He talked. Come on, you know why we were first called Christians? It's because we actually represented Christ. You know why you're called a Borinquen or Boricua? It's because you represent Puerto Ricans and Puerto Rico, right? Why are we called Americans? Why? Because we represent America. Why should we be called Christians? Because we represent Christ. Somebody who waves the American flag and believes in the Holocaust of Hitler is not a good American. He shouldn't call himself an American because America doesn't believe in the Holocaust of Jews. You understand? We have amendments and rights in this country. And if you're truly an American, you need to abide by those. And if you don't, you break the law and we put you in jail. Are you all listening to me? And it's the same thing with being a Christian. You just can't walk around saying, well, I'm a Christian. A Christian that smokes. A Christian that drinks. A Christian that looks at pornography. No, you're no Christian at all. You're just a liar. Come on, somebody. Don't call yourself a Christian, but call yourself a Everybody say you are a The person who lives like the world and calls himself a Christian is a Liar, 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 pants on fire. Hello. You're not a Christian. A true Christian loves God. They keep His commands. There should be enough of Jesus inside of you that people can look at you and say, Oh yeah, you remind me of Jesus. There should be enough Jesus inside you at your family functions that your relatives look at you and say, Oh, I can tell you've been changed. You're a Christian. There should be enough Jesus inside of you that your friends and classmates should be able to say, Wow, they're different. That your own children should be able to look up at you and say, They remind me of Christ. Not these guys on TV. Not these fake fathers and fake families that we see on TV that disrespect one another. The home should be a place of the godly and the the holy and the the true Christian, the first church that your children ever belong to is the church inside of your house. Are you listening? And they need to see a holy mom and dad and brother and sister and live for God because your children are watching. Amen? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Here's what's going to help you today. Today, if you want to live holy, apply the Word to your life. Walk with the Word and the Word will walk with you. Work the Word and the Word will work for you. It never will tell you something that you can't do. Look at verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for what? So the first thing you've got to do if you want to obey God and keep His commands is prepare your what? You know that your mind controls everything you do. Now, if you're mentally handicapped, God will have mercy on you. If you use the bathroom on yourself, God will have mercy on you. Amen? Hello, somebody. Let's be real. If you're like the homeless guy I saw next to the bus stop yesterday, that was like, like that, just all by himself, God will have mercy on him. Amen? Because that's crazy. Okay? Is anybody here crazy? All right. Amen. You are sane mind. Amen. You're sober. So let's do some examples. Just put something in your hand. Just the Bible and raise it up. Just whatever you got just to put in your hand. Your phone. I don't care what it is. Everybody holds something. Now watch how we can do stuff like this. Hold it up high. Now put it to the side. And wave it side to side. Now stop. Anybody ever play the game Simon Says? Okay. You know that that's just all about obedience, right? When we come to God, just hold your hands up here, a little more exercise. By the way, our worship service also acts as cardio workout. It's, it's called Holy Ghost Cardio Time, okay? Holy Ghost Aerobics when you come to church. So just come ready to do your workouts. Amen? Watch this. The Bible is saying prepare your mind for action. 
So when your mind is ready to be obedient, God says, don't look at pornography. You're the one that makes that decision because you're ready for action. Just like I said, throw your hands up. Now wave them side to side with me. Come on, do it one more time. It's the same way you control your actions in every way. Go ahead and put it down. How many know that you are a free will being? You do what you darn well want to do, don't you? You and I have that choice. And the Bible says the first step of living holy, looking in Peter, it says prepare your mind for action. You are going to play a part in this. Once you come to Christ, you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. The Bible says you're born again. Now at this point, you play a part. Somebody say prepare your mind. Look at it. Prepare your mind for action. What do you need to be? Be self-controlled. Some of you are out of control. What is a smoking habit? Being out of control. What is a cursing habit? Being out of control. Do you know that our world has taken every pleasure that is possibly known on this planet and has done it to the extreme? You all know what I'm talking about. People enjoy food. Everybody here enjoys some type of food, a good meal. Now we have more obesity than we've ever had in our whole life because people cannot control the pleasure of food. Am I right? People come up with games, you know, little video games. Little, you know, I just play this, pretend you're a little soldier. You know, like people play with little toy, army toys and all this. Now you, you got a little video game. These kids become video game junkies. It's like the pleasure of just playing a game becomes a habit, an addiction. Now for the older people here, there's this little sport where a ball comes down a plate and a little wooden bat hits it. And all of a sudden, instead of just every now and then just checking out what's going on, there's people that have to watch every single game. And there's like a hundred and some of these games a year. How many know what I'm talking about? It becomes a habit. Becomes a habit to smoke. Think about that. The first time you take a puff of cigarettes, and those of you who have smoked know what I'm talking about, the very first thing you do is cough. Your body is saying, this is bad. You don't put this in here. But then the person will force themselves like a fool. I did it. And Mr. T said he was pities the fool. And we begin to smoke, making ourselves become addicted to that very thing. The Bible says be self-controlled. You know what? Sexual uh, activity with your wife or married partner with your husband is beautiful. Everybody say amen. We took the pleasure of sex and now we have to have it everywhere we go. They say that the girls gone wild is now the first pornography that you can get downloaded to your phone. It gets quiet when I talk like that, isn't it? Some of you are like, oh yeah. Some of you you're like, man, I would have bought that a while ago. Be honest, you know that you would have. Why? Because all of a sudden, you know what God intended for me to have my wife, for me to love my wife, that pleasure of falling in love. Now we're addicted to that, out of control, have to see it 24-7, and you know what? It dulls our senses. Everybody say, be self-controlled. It says, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. One day we will see Him. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, somebody say, obedient children. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in what? Ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so what? Be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Do not conform your mind to everything you used to do. 
We used to cuss and our mind didn't think it wrong. We used to get angry and our mind didn't think it wrong. We used to lust and our mind didn't think it was wrong. We used to be greedy. We used to lie, steal, cheat. All these things. Everybody here has sinned. You've already raised your hands. You've admitted it. We know that we've sinned. Now the Bible says as a Christian, prepare your mind for action. Be in control of yourself and obedient as an obedient children, obey God and be holy. Don't give in to your evil desires. Don't give in to temptation. Sometimes people think just because they're being tempted, that means they must give in to it. No, fight temptation. As long as you'll be alive and I'll be alive, we will always fight temptation. And I want to give you a secret. You don't even need the devil to help you. You'll tempt yourself all by yourself. Hello? Come on, somebody. You don't even need a little devil tapping you on the shoulder like those old cartoons, an angel and a devil on the side. You can tempt yourself all by yourself. You can just walk right by the refrigerator and think, hmm, that cake's in there. Oh, I could go for another slice of that cake. You didn't even need The devil's like, I, I was going to get there, but you did it before me. Hello? You know what I'm talking about. You don't even need the devil to have your lust or to get angry. You can do it all by yourself. The Bible says it's your choice. You can be an obedient child. Just as we were throwing these up, going side to side, it's the same way. You have a choice. Nobody made you smoke a cigarette. Nobody made you cuss. Nobody made you do those things. You and I did it on our own. And now because of God, we need to change and live for Him. Can you say amen? And we're going to get to some more good things because it does come from the Holy Spirit. You even have extra help. Let me just pause and say this. There's Buddhists that can stop smoking, drinking, and cussing all by themselves. They show the power of the mind. That's how powerful your mind is. Your mind is so powerful, you can walk on hot coals. How many have seen some of those demonstrations of the power of the mind? You can do all types of things. Some people can stay up for three and four days. The power of the mind. But listen. You not only have the power of your mind, you have the power of the Holy Ghost living inside of you. And the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's double trouble for the devil and all the evil in this world. If you set your mind on Christ and Christ within you gives you the power, you are unstoppable. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You and I need to take that seriously. Keep on reading verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. You see, our father's going to judge everybody, isn't he? And he's going to do it impartially. That means he's not going to choose any favorites. Everybody will be judged the same. Now turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. How do we live holy? One of the things we just learned is to be obedient, to have a mind ready for action, to be self-controlled, to resist the things that we once did before. Is this encouraging anybody? If it is, can you say amen? I know some of you already know, but it's just good to hear again. I just have to give you an example of how we can never get tired of hearing this. And this breaks my heart at 100%. Some of you have never even heard this. Wait till you hear it. Do you know that revival going on in Florida? The revival that we've been playing here. In the midst of the 120 some day revival, the man begins to have lust for another woman. And now he's had to step down out of ministry, Todd Bentley, because he didn't have an affair, but his heart started to get drawn towards a woman on his staff. Can you believe that? 
There is nothing that will make you holy other than God. If you think, well, if I get in ministry, I'll be holy. I was sitting down with Brother Anthony, and we were talking about this. And he used to go to Jimmy Swaggart's Bible College. And many of you know Jimmy Swaggart is that fancy, you know, whoosh hairdo guy, you know, with that southern accent. God loves you, and He wants you to come to the cross. And he would be crying, you know what I'm saying? And, and some of you know him as that crazy guy. He says that wasn't the way he always was. He used to be on fire. He used to love Jesus. They said the meetings would be so powerful. But just like the proverb, just like the Bible says, it will all be forgotten. Only the reproach will be remembered. Now when I say Jimmy Swagger, Jim Baker... Ted Haggard. What do you think of the reproach? You don't think of Ted Haggard's church. He built from his house up to 10,000 members praying over the phone book. Ted Haggard prayed over every person in his phone book in his county and called up every single one of them and invited them to his church. You don't hear that about Ted Haggard and how we ought to be more like him. What do you hear? He was doing crystal meth with a homosexual prostitute. Cheating on his wife. Todd Bentley, in the midst of a great revival, a revival our country needed, all of these wonderful leaders, and then here he stumbles. He lets his heart become attracted to another woman, and he has to step down. And I thank God for godly leadership, because a lot of these people, when they get that big, they'll just divorce and keep on moving. But he is a part of a godly ministry, and that shows us we were right to partner with them, because now he's resigned. He's not the president. They've sat him down. He's in discipline. He can't preach. And I've told you that about myself. If I were to do what some of I, some of the things I've counseled you on, some of you have made mistakes of indiscretion. You've done things, and, and the elders meet with you, and we sit down and talk. And I'm telling you, if I did what some of the things you guys have done, I myself would have to resign from being your pastor. Brother Ish would have to take my spot, the second in in charge here. He would have to take the spot, and I would have to go to a place like where Brother Anthony is in New Orleans and be restored again, be accountable again, get a job at McDonald's and just work and be restored. Come on, somebody. We need to live holy. We need to live holy. As the old timers used to say, it's holiness or hell. This is so important for us. Are you with me in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1? I say that to you about Todd Bentley. Please pray for him that God would restore him. We believe in that. Jim Baker was one that was restored after many years. Look at chapter uh, 3 of verse 1 of Colossians. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. What is another word for our hearts? It's our minds. Everybody say our minds. We know that the Bible is using that as a metaphor for our minds because I can't take out the organ. And like actually lift it up to God. How many know that would be kind of gross, okay? Anybody remember Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom? Not a good thing, okay? Very scary, beating heart towards heaven. What it's talking about is our minds thinking on the things above. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your what? Minds on things above. Now you got the revelation. Not on earthly things. So where are we supposed to put our mind? On what? Heavenly things. Things what? Above. Come on, somebody say things above. So when you see a pretty girl walking by, gentlemen, what are you supposed to think about? Things above. Think about Jesus on the cross. You can't lust anymore. Amen? When you feel like getting angry, think about God. You can't stay angry. The Bible saying use your mind to go to things above. Now watch this, verse 3. These are some of the practical things I want to get into for the next two hours today. 
Amen. <laughs> it says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So where's my life? It's dead. And the new life I have is what? Hidden in Christ. Everybody say, hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with Him in glory. I want everybody to think about this. When you came to Jesus, He crucified that sinful nature. All of the sin that you and I did, He he crucified. He took it away. And He gave us the power over our sinful mind. Look at it. It's going to teach you that right here. Look at verse 5. Put to what? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Everyone say, put to death. Everyone look up at me and say, put to death. Come on, let's do like a horror movie. Everybody go, put to death. And I go, come on, say, put to death. You guys remember what I'm talking about, okay? Put to death what happens when the earthly nature wants to be sexually immoral again. You put it to what? Okay, about four of you with me. I need some help preaching today, okay? When you feel like lusting, what are you supposed to do with that thought? What? Put it to death. You must call upon Christ and say, Christ, put this to death. Instead of romancing it and loving it and being with it. Don't make friends with sin. Don't make friends with the devil. You know why I don't watch rated R movies for the most part? Unless it's like an action, you know, just, just straight up action. It's because when they show women's breast assist, that's like giving myself a chance to lust again. Hello? So I put that to death. I don't want anything to do with that. You know why when we go to Bourbon Street, we don't go to the red light district where they have open pornography on the walls? Because we don't want to get close to that. We want to put it to death. Some of you, you can't have a computer alone in your room. Some of you, your computer has got to be out in the family room. So you got to put to death pornography. It goes right on down the line. Sexual impurity, lust, evil desire, greed. You know why God wants everybody to give 10%? Because you put to death your greed every paycheck. Every paycheck. You're crucifying that greed inside of you. The moment you want to say, I'll spend this, I'll do this, I'll do this. The Bible says that greed will lead you to hell. But at the moment you get a paycheck, you say, this first part belongs to the Lord, then this is my offering. The Bible then says you're putting to death the greed of your own heart. Are you listening? The Bible says, put to death greed, evil desires, which is idolatry. Now look at verse 6. Because of these, because of what? Sexual immorality, impurity, evil desire, greed. These things, the wrath of God is what? Coming. God will judge people one day. God will judge those who do not live holy. He will pour out His wrath on those people. It's not like, oh, hey, do you want to go to Disney World? No, I'm okay. Well, okay, I'll meet you out there another time. No, 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 it's not like, hey, do you want to go to heaven? I'm going to heaven. You want to go? No, I don't really want to go. No, listen to me. If you don't go to heaven, you go to hell. It would be like me saying, do you want to go to Disney World? Or do you want me to pour gasoline on you and set you on fire right now? I'm going to Disneyland. Right? Come on! How about let's go to Disneyland or I torture you right now? I'm being honest, guys. God is the one giving us the ultimatum. Sometimes we think, oh, God is not a God of ultimatums. God just says, hey, guys. You know, He has a little lift. And He's like, hey, guys. Do you want to go to heaven? Come on. It's a lot of fun. And then, like, He has to bribe us. 
There's going to be street the gold. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be everything you imagine. You can go fishing in heaven. You can eat arroz con candules in heaven. Just come. Come on. Oh, you don't want to go to heaven? Okay, you just go somewhere else then. No, there is no like somewhere else. Are you listening? It's either you go to heaven or you go to hell. God said because of these things, the wrath of God comes. God's love is infinite and so is His judgment. God's love is awesome and so is His judgment. His judgment is awesome. God's love is amazing and compassionate. His judgment is terrifying and horrific. You don't want to find that out. Can you say amen? It says in verse 7, you used to walk in these ways. And the ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of such things as these. Anger, rage, malice. Some people say, I don't got a problem with anger. Slander. Oops, yes you do. You got a problem with that. Some people have a problem with slander. Filthy language. Everybody has asked me, where does the Bible say about cussing? There it is. Filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Verse 9. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Can you say amen? Verse 12, therefore as God's chosen people, holy, everybody say holy, and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity let the peace of God rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to live in peace and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another so you're supposed to help each other with all wisdom and sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs come on shikaboomba with gratitude in your hearts to God and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Can you say amen? That's a Christian life. That's not the Christian life according to Joe. That's the Christian life according to God Himself. We are to put to death these wicked things. We are to live to these things. The, the Apostle Paul who's writing this book gives you the example of taking off and putting on. The other example is putting to death and making alive. Any way you think about it, you've got to get rid of stinking thinking and let Christ control your life. Let His Word dwell within your heart. Amen? Now let's go to the consequences of these two things. Go to Hebrews 10.26. Let's say today you say, Pastor, I am not going to do those things. I will not make a choice to be sober-minded, have control, be obedient. I will not today live holy as God is holy. Today, I will not walk as Jesus walked, obeying His commands. Let's say today you don't put to death the sinful things and make alive the good things. Let's say today you neglect compassion and gentleness, humility, and putting the Word in your heart, but instead you live according to greed and slander and filthy language and lying and idolatry. What does the Bible say will happen? Hebrews 10:26. This is the result of unholy living, not being separate, not being different than the world you live in. Verse 26 says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. 
Do you know that today if you deliberately keep on sinning, you're an enemy of God? Think about that. If you deliberately reject what this preacher is telling you, you are God's enemy. And you will die in your sin. And the Bible said He will consume you with raging fire. He will consume your soul. God is not going to look at you on judgment day and say, Oh, Tito, I wish you would have made the choice. No, no, no. God is pleading with you now. God is pleading with you now. God is being merciful to you now. But if you keep on sinning, when you see Him on judgment day, He doesn't say, Oh, Tito. He says, Depart from me with raging fire and judgment. He says, Perish in eternal hell fire. He wants to punish you. The axe of His judgment is already laid at the root of your tree, waiting to cut you down. His righteousness demands your blood. His judgment demands your eternal soul to perish in hell. You only have one way out of this, my friends. You only have one way out of the wrath of God. And that is through the blood of Jesus. And through the acceptance of a holy life. And to live the new life. The life that God gave you. Are you listening? Because if you have this knowledge and you keep on sinning, the Bible says you cannot expect salvation but 27, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemy enemies of God. It says anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How did they die without what? In the time of the Old Testament, when people broke the laws of Moses, they died without what? They would take the homosexual out of the city, stone him without what? They would take the thief that had stolen, take him out the city, stone him without what? Mercy. Some of you think because the civil law of the Bible is no longer enacted and that sinners can do as they please that our God is still not a God of judge, a judgment. No, this is a New Testament Scripture using the Old Testament judgment as an example for New Testament judgment. Look how it comes in the New Testament, though. Verse 28, one more time. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now, verse 29, how much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, made him holy, right? And who has what? Insulted. Everybody say insulted. What have they done to God? They have what? Insulted the Spirit of grace. Now look what he says, verse 30. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will what? Judge his people. Verse 31. It is what? A dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. The warning to you today. If you don't get in discipleship, you don't start letting God change your life. You don't realize the things you're doing are wrong. You're rebellious towards pastors and leaders. You don't listen to correction. You're stiff-necked. The warning towards you today is you will be destroyed. You will be taken down by God Himself without mercy. And it should be fearful in your heart. You should dread that. You should not want anything to do with that. Because if you continue that way, you can only expect one thing, and that is raging fire. That is it. Don't let them lie to you. Don't let TV preachers lie to you. Don't let them convince you for $9.99 in a holy cloth plus shipping and handling your life will be changed. Don't let a priest tell you any different that all you have to do is come confess and you can go back out drinking. This is what your Bible says. Let every man be a liar and God be true. Hello. Hello. 
You better follow God, no matter who goes with you. If your family don't, your mother don't, your grandma don't, your sister, brother don't, you better make a decision. I will follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none may follow, I still will follow Jesus. Amen? That is the, the ultimatum. Now turn with me in closing to now Second Peter. We went to First Peter, now go to Second Peter. Chapter 1, verse 3, if you can stand with me with your Bible in your hand. If you're thankful for the Word of God, can you say amen? Amen. Live holy. Live holy. Everybody say live holy. I know some of you take great notes, and I'm so appreciative of that. I need you to put the Scripture on the board, please. I want you to think about what you've just learned today. First John told you, That if you claim to know God, you keep His commands. Otherwise, you are a what? A liar. Then if you love God, you are to walk just as who walked? Jesus walked. That's a blessing. We get to walk like our Savior. You then learned in Peter that you are to prepare your mind for action. That you just can't walk out these doors and say, well... Sarah, Sarah, whatever happens, happens. No, you have to walk out these doors saying, I'm prepared to live for God. You then must be controlled by yourself. Self-control. Then as obedient children, you take your control and you yield it to your Father. And the Bible says you put to death all those things in your life. Colossians says, put to death the anger, the slander, the lust. I love how Paul just generalizes. He just puts it out there. You know all the other things you and I struggle with. The bottom line is the same. You put it to death and you put to to life the things of God. You say, Pastor, sometimes it's hard to remember those things. So you know what you do? You hide the Word of God in your heart. That you might not sin against God. Colossians said it this way. Let the Word of God dwell richly in you. Let it remind you of things. You may be in a a situation where it's kind of gray and you don't know exactly what to do. I get these situations all the time, you know. Somebody came to me and they said, my son has a gun and it belongs to a gang. And what do we do with the gun? What do we do with this? And you got to make decisions. You ask God, you say, Lord, what is right to do in this situation? What would you do? Would you give the gun to the police? Would you throw the gun away? Would you bring the young man to jail? What do you do, Lord? You see, because not the, the, the Bible doesn't write out every step of your life, but the Holy Spirit will guide you. If you ask the Lord for wisdom, the Bible says He'll give it to you. Amen? Amen. Now, here's what happens if you do live for God. And you do. Go to 113, please. You've learned, or 1-3, rather. Verse 1, verse 3. Chapter 1, verse 3. You've just learned if you don't do it, you can only expect judgment. But what happens if you do? It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our what? Our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Band, would you come? It says, through these He has given us His very great and precious promises. Through these is what? Through His own glory and goodness. God's divine power. Everybody follow me now. Let's learn how to read the Bible. God's divine power has given you what? Everything you need for what? Life and what? Godliness. Did God give you oxygen today? Did He keep His Word and give you oxygen? Did God give you a sound mind today? Did God wake you up this morning? Come on. Did God allow you to have a pep in your step? All right. He's given you everything you need for life, right? 
Do you know that all the evolutionary scientists and biologists still can't figure out where life came from? I don't get it. The Bible says a fool would only do that. Hello, came from God. There's the answer. Let's move on to solving cancer and all these other things. Amen. Life came from God. They'll never figure that out, by the way. Life only can come from God. He gave it to us. Now, what's the second thing He gives us His power for? What? Godliness. What does it mean to be godly? To live like God. Another word for that would be what? Holy. Everybody say holy. Why does He do that? Or how does He do that? Through our knowledge of Him. So the more I know Him, the more I'll live like Him. The more I know my wife, the more I can take care of her. I was out at New Orleans and I was seeing Brother Anthony buy something for his wife. And guess what happened? The knowledge of my wife came to me. She's not here. She wished she could be here. She would like to have a gift. See, I was able to do something for my wife because of my knowledge of her. The more you know God, the more you'll please Him. The knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So are we good? No, but God is, and He uses His goodness to help us. Do we have any glory? That means do we have any spiritual power and ability? No, but God does. He helps us. Now through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That is a big thing right there. How many people are getting this? The Bible says that He gives us promises that we may participate in the divine nature. That means our divine Jesus, who walked perfect, actually says, Arson, come participate with me, and I'm going to show you how to live holy now. By my own glory and goodness. Jesus said, I'll do it for you. He says, I've already done it. I'm going to show you how to do it. Come participate with me. How many know if you're not good at a sport, you play that sport, you participate with others that are good? How many know you can eventually get good? And even if you're not that good, you can still be on the winning team, right? That's why when I play volleyball, i got to get on Hector's team because he keeps beating me. i got to participate with him and learn. God is saying, participate with me. He's not just, you know, some people think of God saying for us to be holy. Is God just looking at us. Now do it. Just, you're on your own. Try your hardest. And we're like, we're trying so hard to be holy and we can't and we fail. And we think God just like kicks us to the curb. See, you're not good enough. No, 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 no. God says, hey, come participate with me. Come participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. Where does all the corruption from gangs come from? Evil desire. Where does corruption in politics come from? Evil desire, the heart of man. Where does all this corruption come from around the world? Where does Islam come from and hate and anger and racism? Where does all that come from? From the heart of man. The Bible says participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world. Now verse 5. Come on, baby. Give it to me. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Let's get to the good part. For this very reason, make every effort. This is on you. Somebody say, i got to do something. This is what you do as you're participating with God. Make every effort to add to faith goodness. How many people got faith in here that God is alive? Amen. You know what you add to your faith? Add goodness. Add goodness. You add goodness. Just as you picked up that thing on your own and waved it around, you today do something good. Follow the Bible and start doing good. Add 
Goodness to faith. Goodness, knowledge. Start reading your Bible. Grow in knowledge. Start studying. Join the Bible class. Join the Bible class. Grow, grow, grow in knowledge. Add knowledge, self-control. Get self-control. Get discipline. Ask people to help you. See a nutritionist if you need to get on a diet. See somebody in the church, a disciple, who help you read your Bible. Get back in control. See a Christian counselor. Get your marriage back in control. Come to my wife and I. Get your family, husband and wife back in control. Take control of your life in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Get self-control. Now watch right here because you're going to be like, I'm going to give up getting all this goodness, all this knowledge, all this self-control. It's going to get hard. But the Bible says add to that perseverance. Tell yourself I won't give up. Say, God, help me never to give up. God, help me stay strong. Add to it perseverance, perseverance, perseverance. You didn't get in the trouble that you were in overnight, and it may take some time getting out of this, but just persevere, walk and talk with Jesus every day, every day. Come on, and then add to it godliness. You see, you're going to start acting and talking and walking like God because you're like Jesus. And then the Bible says because you're like Jesus, add some brotherly kindness. Be nice nice to people. Feed the poor. Help the homeless. Preach the gospel. Start school clubs. Do something for your family, for your parents, for your kids. Be godly and be brotherly kindness towards people. And then the Bible says add love. Just love people. Love God. Love people. And mas, mas, mas all day long. More love. Now look what the Bible says. Verse 8. For if, 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 if you do this, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... That means, well, you can't be satisfied with what you did two years ago. It's got to be increasing, increasing, increasing. It doesn't matter what my wife and I did last week. It's got to be increasing. More faith, more goodness, more knowledge. Hello, somebody. If you have these in your increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. You ever seen somebody stuck in a rut saying, oh, I can't live for God. It's a burden. It's hard. I don't find joy in it. You know why they become ineffective? effective and unproductive. They need to add some goodness, some knowledge, some self-control, some godliness, some brotherly kindness. They need to prepare their mind for action. Put some things to death. Tell the devil they're coming after him. Because the Bible says if you do this, you can live for God. But if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. If somebody doesn't do this, they are what? Blind. Go to the next scripture, brother. Come on right here. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Come on, on, somebody. You will never fall. You and I never have to fall again. Anytime we fall is when we mess up on that. Get that in your heart. I can walk like Jesus. I can talk like Jesus. He's given me His divine power to participate in the divine nature. I can add these things and I never have to fall. You never have to cheat on your wife. You never have to get in another fight again. You never have to curse again. You and I can live holy. We can live holy. That's what it says. You will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Not just Savior, but our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want it, somebody say, I want it. Come on, raise up your hands and say, Jesus, make me holy. Make me holy, Jesus. Make me holy. Come on, lift up your voices. 
Jesus, we want to be, we want to be holy. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. I want to be received richly into your kingdom. I don't want to be terrified of your judgment. I don't want raging fire. I want a rich welcome into your kingdom. Those of you that came here today and you're continuing in sin and you need to be forgiven as we're worshiping and praying, just come to the front and find a place at this altar right now. Come quickly right now onto your knees.